All right, thank you, Trelaskis. What a great start to this morning. Welcome to Daybreak Community Church. Uh, we're excited to have you with us. We're going to wrap up today the, the series, not on New Year's resolutions, but on some essentials that we need to have in our life. And then next week, we're going to start a, a series that I can say in all my years of pastoring, I've never spent this much time on five weeks on prayer. Um, usually you have the one off or the two off. We're actually going to learn about prayer and talk about prayer and actually do prayer. Uh, this is an important year for us here at Daybreak. We certainly don't want to do things in our own strength. We want to do it according to what God has. I would hate to make decisions, whether it's in congregational or our council meetings, and do them void of prayer. Whatever the decision would be, yes or no, we need to go this direction, we need to go that direction, I would hate at the end to go, well, we should have prayed about it. And uh, and so we're going to talk about prayer for five weeks. Now, I, I'm not going to say this, uh, and you have to raise your hand, please don't feel any pressure with that, but I want you to think about this for a second. Some of you are older in this room. Don't raise your hands. We're not looking at you. But how have you maintained your spiritual vitality? How have you made it? What's the, what's the secret? This week, one of my older friends said this to me. I just keep growing, Matt. I never stop walking with God, and every day I fall in love with Him more and more. Then my friend said this, Matt, walking with Jesus is not easy. Sometimes it's like taking three steps forward and two steps back. Matt, it may not be easy, but it's always been good. So we've spent the last two weeks talking about essentials for the new year. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So let's just do a quick review. If you haven't been with us, let's, let me do a quick review. This is how I would review our series the last three weeks. Faith is our foundation. Faith is our foundation. This is the essence or the backbone of Christianity. It's what we stand on. Faith is what unites us to God and what allows us to have a relationship with Him. Remember what we said in that first week from Hebrews chapter 11? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So hope is then our attitude because of faith. We talked about that last week. Faith was two weeks ago. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hope is then what we have because of our faith. We have a hope and a presence that God is in control. We have hope in eternity that will be with him. It's how we approach life because of our faith then love is our action. When faith and hope line up, we're free to love because we understand God's love for us. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35. 
He was with his followers. He said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, you're my followers, if you actually love one another. The truth is, if you're anything like me, faith, hope, and love are going to fizzle out when I stop growing. We drift. We fade. We wander. We get lazy. We give up. Friends, I wander. I drift. I get lazy. I fade. The, the Bible is, is filled with people who wander, who fade, who drift. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would say this, God, if you're real, would you please give us a sign? So God would give them a sign. And they would say, God, you're real. Then three days later, they would turn their back on God and start worshiping a golden calf or a silver armadillo or something like that that they kind of have become or want to put God on. If you read a little bit further on in the Old Testament, you'll see there's prophets in the Old Testament who would preach about God's love. Then the Bible says that these prophets would go out and pout. And if you move into the New Testament, and many of the books that are written to the churches where believers have wandered, the message of the New Testament is really simple. Don't give up. Keep going. You can make it. You've fallen, but you can get up. God is intimately aware of our short attention spans. He's aware of our tendency to wander from the truth. Hebrews 10.36, it's going to pop up on the screen. The writer of the Hebrews tried to convey this message to the believers. The author of Hebrews says this, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what has been promised. The author says that you need to persevere so that you keep growing. You and I need to keep growing. If we stayed in Hebrews, which we're going to for a few minutes, Hebrews 10, then we move to, to the end of chapter 10 and into chapter 11. 11 is filled with examples and models of faith. These men and women in Hebrews 11 don't have a great background. They, they're not perfect. They've made it into this hall of faith because they depended on God. Then in chapter 12, the, verse, the first two verses is where we're going to focus today. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Maybe the term for the end of this message is just simply continual growth or endurance plan. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it's on the screen, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Look at verse 2. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let me give you a few steps on just how do we keep this growth actually happening in our life. The very first one, you and I need to find an example. Look back at Hebrews 12 verse 1. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Obviously the author is pointing back to chapter 11. You and I need to study and learn from those people in chapter 11. But in addition to just studying examples, it's so important, especially in 2022, that we find an example that we can see, an example that we can watch, an example that we can touch. Because you and I learn from models. Remember where we started today. Faith, hope, and love. My challenge for you, Daybreak, is that you'd find someone that models those. Who is that person? Who is that person that you can see and touch that models faith? Who is it in your life that models that you can look to and learn from? Some of you who are similar to me have been believers for a long time, and you might be saying, well, shouldn't our example be Jesus? For sure. But we're going to talk about that more in just a second. But sometimes it's way more helpful to have a model that you can see, that you can touch, that you can actually run across situations that you're not sure about. Some of you might say, such and such is an example of faith. He is a man or a woman of faith. But most of us in here aren't going to have the opportunity to rub against him or her and how he expresses his faith and his hope and his love in Jesus. The more touchable your example becomes, the better it is for your growth. When I was a teenager a long time ago, my youth pastor was my model. He was my example of of faith, hope, and love. He was great. I would listen to his talks and and his messages. I'd just sit on the edge of my seat. I got to the point where I thought he was perfect. My youth pastor was right next to Jesus. He had it all together. At first, that was a little impressive to me, but the more I tried to do Christianity, the more depressing it became. Because I said, I can't be like him. I became so frustrated that I would never be like him that I became very close to just giving away my faith and just walking away and saying, forget it. This is for perfect people. I can't do it. Today, I still have people in my life that represent Jesus to me. I think the Apostle Paul knew this as he wrote in the New Testament in Philippians 3.17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So maybe you can't see Christ, but you follow me because I'm following Christ. That's part of growth. Find an example. All right, so we found an example. The second thing that we need to do is we need to remove our hurdles. Look back at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let us 
throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles in order for me to remove any hurdles or struggles, in order for you to remove any hurdles, what do we need to do? We need to know what they are. We need to identify them. We need to relinquish our will. We need to have the courage to change. Those are really nice answers, Matt, but what do I do before I do that? One of the most important things that you can do, and we're already halfway through the month of January, is find the time. I've got to spend time to identify before I relinquish my will. You see, you and I live in a culture and a community and a pace that doesn't like to take time. We don't like quietness. We don't like being alone. But to do a little internal investigation to find out what dragons, what things, what is hiding in my closet, I've got to spend time. See, there's two types of obstacles, two types of of barriers. The first obstacle is what I would call in anything, right from Hebrews chapter 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders See, friends, it doesn't have to be bad. Everything could be something that's really good. But it's getting in the way. It could be work. It could be friends. It could be money. It, the Bible doesn't say that money is bad. The Bible says the love of money is bad. It could be a relationship. It could be food. It could be a hobby. It could be anything that that author talks about that hinders our relationship with God. Friends, in my life, my obstacle could be my job. Some of you are thinking right now, how could a pastor get in the way of, of growing spiritually? I had an elder many years ago who looked at me and said, Matt, you're arrogant. I have to work on it. I have to remind myself that that can trip me up. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 7 that says this, and it really rattles my mind at times. Jesus says, there's going to be a time at the end of time where you're going to come to me and say, I did this for you, Jesus. Look at what I've done. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Sometimes I can find myself caring so much for others that I don't minister to myself. And my doing, my good stuff, gets in the way. I spend so much time doing that I neglect my being. Friends, that's my obstacle. So what's yours? What would be the anything in your life that's getting in the way? Friends, that's going to take a little bit of time. It's hard to define. But what's easier to define is the second obstacle. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. Do you see what it says? Remove from our life anything that gets in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. Friends, the second obstacle is sin. Every time that you hear the word sin, you think of the biggies. Adultery, murder, stealing. 
Sometimes we forget about the little ones. We gloss over those as if they're not affecting our lives. Cheating and lying and slander and gossip and pride. In this plan for growth, my challenge for us is to take the time to identify what's the hurdle. What's slowing you down? What's keeping you from growing? Then when you identify it, you gave me the plan. When you identify it, admit it, confess it. Receive God's forgiveness. And experience the freedom that he wants you to have. All right, that sounds really easy, Matt. Thanks. It's way more difficult than that. And by the way, none of us in here, no matter where we are, whether we're on stage or we're sitting in the, the audience, none of us are above sin. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. So for Matt, I need to admit the pride in my life, the arrogance. I need to confess it. I need to receive God's forgiveness. I need to ask for accountability. I need to move on. I need to experience the freedom. What is the everything that that author was talking about in Hebrews 12 that we have to throw off? What is the sin that so easily entangles us? I've talked to enough people in our church I've done enough meetings, I've done enough counseling that I can sense in some people's lives when they've got sin or some hurdle like the Bible says is entangling them. We're caught in our ways. We're not living in the freedom that God wants us to live. We're not experiencing the intimacy that God wants us to have because we've got this stuff that has wrapped itself around us. All right, those were two good ones. What about the third thing? We need to focus on Jesus. Friends, this is the main point. We could put a star by this, an asterisk. We could put a neon sign. This could be a one-point message. When I think about spiritual growth, I like the image of a fire. You've heard this before. That someone's on fire for Jesus. She's on fire or he's on fire. What I'd like to know is what makes them on fire? What's the secret? I think the secret is that people who are on fire, they, that are growing, they're putting logs on that fire every day. They're putting logs in to build that fire. Those logs, friends, are called spiritual disciplines. There's some basic spiritual disciplines. I know, if you're like me, we don't like the word disciplines. That's the part of 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 that says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We don't like that. We've softened it in the church a little bit. We call it habits. You have to have these habits, whatever you call them, disciplines, habits, leprechauns, call them whatever you want to call them. The bottom line is disciplines are tough. A lot of us want an instant fire, a little switch, maybe like the fireplace that I have in my house that I just hit the switch and in five seconds the fire comes on. There's no work involved. Here's what we need, friends. We need a Bible. 
We need time in God's Word. God's Word is not an irrelevant history book. It's God's love letter to you. It's those of us who have been around faith for a little bit longer, we've lost our hunger for the Bible. Maybe we've stopped putting logs into the fire. I encourage you, if that describes you, pray to develop that hunger when you leave today. Friends, this is God's love letter. He loved us so much that he gave us a plan to actually show us his way. Some people might say, it's not a love letter, Matt. It's a rule book. It's not a rule book. Yes, there's guidelines. People always will go back to the Ten Commandments. That's what they know. The Ten Commandments. Those are rules. Yeah, they're, they're really rough rules, like do not murder. Yeah, that sucks. Do not commit adultery. Does that mean that God doesn't like sex? No, God created it. What God doesn't like is us causing ourselves pain. I've ne- never met anyone in an adulterous relationship that hasn't been incredible, in-depth, intense pain. God's not down on sex. God's not down on life. God's not down. God's down on pain. He says, I love you so much that I want to show you. I want to guide you. I want you to see how to live. I want you to know the truth. That's why we need God's word in our lives. Jesus says this in John chapter 1, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Friends, if you want to know the truth, you've got to be in God's Word. That's one of the most important logs you can throw in the fire. But another log is prayer, spending time with God. The Bible is spending time in God's Word. Prayer is having a conversation with God. I can't grow with anyone if I'm not talking to them. I can't have a relationship with anyone if I'm not in dialogue with them. And then the third is accountability. You need to spend time with other believers where they can talk, where you can talk about these things. Now let me say this about us at daybreak. We will do whatever it takes to help you in these three areas. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you don't know where to start, we'll show you where to start. If you need to get into a small group or another group of believers, we'll help you do that. If you need to learn how to pray, we'll teach you how to learn how to pray. We'll do anything for you. We're committed to growth. Those are the logs that we throw in the fire. I wish I could say that it was easy. Why do I give you this list? Why do I give you three hoops to jump through? Do you think if you do these things, you'll earn God's favor and God will be cheering you on? No, you can't earn God's favor. If we could earn God's favor, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. We give you these logs, we give you these ideas, we give you these prompts, these habits, so that your fire will keep burning and that you'll actually warm up to God. In my life, as hard as it is to develop these habits, when I start my day focusing on Christ, I'm a different person. When I start my day focusing on who Jesus is, 
When I have the eyes of Christ, when I have the mind of Christ, I'm a different person. When I don't, I end up being in a hurry. I end up getting frustrated. And I'm unfocused. We're a lot like taking a drive in the car. The world is outside of us on the left-hand side, and the person of Jesus is on the right side. We kind of go through life. Uh, we kind of go through life, and instead of focusing on Jesus, we look at the world and kind of move through life looking at what's outside our left side of the car. Every once in a while, we'll stop, we'll high-five Jesus, we'll slap him on the back, we'll come in here, we'll check him out, and then we just kind of move along. That's not intimacy. The image that I think of, back to the car, is that you have to stop. You need to open the door. You need to get out. You need to let Jesus be in the driver's seat. You need to ride as the second person. You need to focus on him. And here's the final one. Don't give up, friends. Look at verse 2 again from Hebrews chapter 12. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, the author of our faith. Then this line, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews is saying that Jesus is our model. He made it, he did it, he endured, and now he's with God. He pointed us the to, uh, he pointed the way, he lived his life, he showed us the example. 2 Timothy 2 verse 12 says this, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Friends, that's challenging. The message is challenging to me to put together. I hope it's challenging to you. Let me give you two things before we move into some more worship. I hope these are encouraging. The very first one, spiritual growth is erratic. What do I mean by that? A lot of us, when we talk about being on fire for Christ, we feel guilty when we're not at 100%. Let me let you in on something. None of us are. It's a nice goal. It should be our goal, but no one lives 100% for God all the time. Spiritual growth is erratic. If you wake up in the morning and you're not a morning person, you're probably at 25% on fire for Jesus. Especially if you live with someone who's a morning person. Then maybe you go and spend some time with the Lord and you're up to 90% on fire. Then you go to work and you have all those piles and hassles and you're at 50%. Then you meet with your boss and he gives you a raise and you're at 80%. Then you go home and you watch a show that you shouldn't watch and you're down to 10%. Then you go to church next week and you hear a great lesson and you sing and you worship and you're back at 90%. Then you go home and you pay the bills and you realize that There's debits in your account that you can't reconcile, and you're at 40%. Maybe when you put it over a whole period of time, it's like you're 65% on fire for Christ. 
Friends, that's spiritual growth. The second thing about spiritual growth that I hope is encouraging is that spiritual growth always comes from little commitments. Spiritual growth is not a black and white thing. No, it's tiny little commitments that add up to big commitments and to big growth. Many of you, when you were a kid, you went to church camp. I can remember when I went to a youth conference in grade 10. I can remember being so fired up on the Saturday night at that emotional service. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going home to love my little brother. I didn't even have a little brother. But I was so fired up. Five days later, you couldn't tell much difference in my life. But you know what? That was moving me a little bit more. I was growing a little bit. That's what spiritual growth is. Little baby steps of commitment. If you know anything about navigation, if you were to take a line and say, here's my goal, and you said, I'm just going to sail two degrees off course, you'd think that wouldn't be that far. But if you were to sail long enough, the two degrees could turn into hundreds of miles off course. Sometimes these little commitments are just one degree, two degrees. But if we do them long enough, they add up to great spiritual growth. And that's the good news. I challenge you every time you come here, every time you're in the Word to make little commitments. God knows your heart. God knows that we wander and we fade and we drift. I want to encourage you to do something with this message. I want to challenge you in the next 72 hours, these next three days, to spend a little time and come up with a plan. What's your plan for the rest of this year to grow? I want to pray for you. Whatever the commitment is, I I want to encourage you to make it. Put a plan together for your growth. Then I hope you hear these words that ring in your heart every day. Don't give up. It's the message of the Bible. Don't give up. You can do it. You can stand. Friends, I love this church. I want to grow spiritually in this church. I want to see you, our people, doing the same thing. We may grow old, but we'll grow up in the Lord together. Don't just give a high five to God when you leave today. Make a plan. Put something together. Don't give up. You can do it. Remember back to my friend. It's not easy, but it's good. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. May we not leave here demotivated because we're overwhelmed at how far away we are from you. But may you take that little spark, may you turn our little commitment into a wealth of big commitments. God, we love how we started this service. For God so loved the world that he gave. We receive that gift. 
We love and adore you. We ask all these things in your most powerful and precious name. Amen.